right, so let's, um, let's start. Do you want to introduce yourself? My name. <laughs> That's, this is new. All right, okay, so. Okay, my name is Dick Murtha. And I'm sitting here in my son's apartment. All right, yeah, so I'm interested for you, like, what year did you join the Marine Corps, right? I saw the big knife. 1966. And was that, were you uh, enlisted in there, or did you join yourself? I joined. So what, what was one of those motivating factors who make you join the Marine Corps? Uh, too many John Wayne movies. <laughs> those, are good. those are great movies. Um, so how, how was your experience in Vietnam? Well, it was, uh, I'd use the word interesting, but you would have a number of varying experiences while there, Yeah. depending on what you're doing. And what, what specifically were you kind of doing? Were you just, well, the Marines were just kind of... I was a rifleman mm -hmm. in the Marine Corps. All right. Uh, so I was so-called grunt, ground troop. Yeah. Right? And uh, we did what we were told to do and followed the orders. And that basically was that. Um, we started out, I started out in a place called Fubai which is, was a fairly large marine base in South Vietnam. I landed in Da Nang and we flew north to Fubai. Mm -hmm. okay. um, while at Fubai, we went out and did a number of uh, ambushes and other things. Um, we went one time down south of Fubai to a location where there was a CAC group. CAC as in? CAC is a combined action company. That means a company of Marines living in the Vietnamese village. Okay. okay? And they were there to assist the Vietnamese people and go out on ambushes and attempt to um, stop any Viet Cong infiltrators. Um, at the time, they had their uh, rice uh, harvest. And the Viet Cong in the area were trying to come in and take the young men away. A, to prevent the successful rice harvest, and B, to increase their band. So the Marines were there to prevent that kind of stuff. Uh, when we went down, we went on ambushes with a couple of Marines from that 
CAC group and from our group and several of the Vietnamese people that were assisting us. So I did that a few times and uh, I had my first pill there. So that was that. After that we were sent north to a place called Quezon. Quezon was in the northernmost portion of South Vietnam to the west. It was about a mile south of North Vietnam, North Vietnam, and four kilometers to the east of Laos. Uh, we went there in June of 67 and in May and April of 67 Marines were sent in there because there were North Vietnamese in the mountains mm -hmm. and that was called the hill fights that was the first armed conflict at Quezon. And uh, I have friends that served there. Uh, one of my good friends was awarded the Navy Cross for his activity there. Anyway, we came up in June we were not told anything about the hill fights. Mm -hmm. Okay, we didn't know anything about what was going on. So. And uh, we set up tents and we walked into the bush and we walked up Hill 861 and Hill 881 and down the hills, etc. Mm -hmm. I ripped the shit out of my pants coming down the hill and we were without underwear, so just hanging loose. So Jack is a gift. All right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, basically, uh, we did our thing at Quezon, and in September, we were given orders to go north, <coughs> up. DMZ. There was a marine outpost there called Con Tien. Okay, it was just south of DMZ. Okay. So um, we were sent up there because the Major General learned that. The North Vietnamese were planning to cut off the uh, communications route to Kantian and then attack them. Uh, we were not told that where we were going 
was where the 812th regiments of the North Vietnamese Army yeah. had their base camp. Right? Yeah. So, 326, 3rd Battalion, 26 Marines went up there. Four companies. Okay. Um, starting on September 7th, we arrived there, I guess, September 6th. September 7th, we had a fair bit of uh, firefights. And uh, a number of guys were killed, a number of guys were wounded. On the 8th, we took them out to the main highway where we came in. So, um, the bodies could be taken away and the wounded could be taken to a location to be looked after medically. Um, <clears throat> we set up a 360 around where we were. I was at the top of the 360, and uh, at one point in time I saw a rocket coming my way. And I jumped up, turned around and ran, and said, incoming, incoming, incoming. And on my third jump up the ground, I got hit with shrapnel on the head. So. Basically, uh, I was told a, a corpsman came and blood was all over. So he patched up my head and so told me to go down to a truck, uh, which was where other injured guys were and they were going to be taken in. Yeah. So I saw a few of my friends. One of my guy, one of the guys was a very good looking fellow, had a piece of shrapnel right through his face. Another guy lost a foot, and I said, fuck this, I'm going back to the boys. Yeah. So basically, uh, we went back and uh, found another place, and we were there. That night was relatively quiet. The next day was... September 10th, 1967, and uh, that night we were hit very heavily, and uh, before I went in there, my head was pounding, so I went up the road a little bit to see the corner. And I said, Corman, take a look at this. He looked at my head and he said, okay, Dick, just keep it covered for a couple of days. You'll be all right. Thanks, Doc. I took two steps back and turned to my left because I wanted to get back and get my gear and my rifle. All of a sudden, I heard an artillery round come in. I hit the deck. And there was shrapnel on my left and on my right, the corpsman was killed.
I went back to see how he was. He had no head. So I get back to my hole, which I had filled in, got my gear and my rifle and ran around to find my squad. I found them. They said, Dick, we're true crowded in here. Keep going. So I kept going and I found another guy I knew from New York and I jumped in a hole next to him. So I was there with him until about 11 o'clock or so. And we had a uh, cleaning rod. A cleaning rod was something the M16 had. Yeah. It put it together. <clears throat> if you have a round that is stuck in the chamber, you put the cleaning rod down to clear it out. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, uh, a lot of the guys been having problems with the cleaning rods. Yeah. And I did not want to have problems with a cleaning rod. I did not want to get shot fixing your gun. Fixing my rifle. So, I put a, uh, what should we call it? Bayonet. Bayonet on the end of my rifle. I got up and ran down the road towards the, N the NVA. One guy had a rifle pointing at me and I stuck him in the solar plexus and killed him. There were three other guys that I killed as well. Uh, I had my second degree black belt at that time. I got it a month before I went in the Marine Corps. Anyway, I killed four guys and uh, I ran back to my unit. Uh, Tony Roselli thought Everybody had pulled back and we were out too far, so we went back up, ran, ran back up, calling out, don't shoot Marines, don't shoot Marines. Anyway, we, uh, we got another location. I was in a hole by myself. Anyway, must have been midnight or so, and uh, I saw some movement out front. Then it looked like a human being, so I shot out twice. And this guy fell to his knees and said, Tai Sal. I ran around the bush that blew his brains out because I didn't want to have the chai con thrown in on me. I found out the next day from the interpreter that Tai Sal meant why. Anyway, the next morning we were walking around to see how things went. About 45 yards from where I was, we came across my squad. They were all dead. The guys that told me 
there was not enough room for me. We're all killed. Anyway, we put those bodies in body bags. And then uh, left. And we went back. And we were underground. And we got in a circle and we all clawed cry. We lost 59 guys killed and 262 wounded, okay, in three days. Anyway, um, we got in a truck, several trucks, and uh, one of the captains heard on the radio North Vietnamese saying goodbye 326. So we went to a place called Camp Evans. Camp Evans was named after a Marine who died in December of 66. The first Marine from Lima Company, 326, to die. And uh, he was a football player, six feet five, from uh, North Dakota. Anyway, we were back in Camp Evans for a few months, maybe maybe two and a half months, regrouping. I switched from Kilo Company to Lima Company, and uh, we eventually got word in December that we were going north again, back to Quezon. Okay because they learned that the North Vietnamese had, I think it was uh, 40,000 North Vietnamese soldiers coming there. So there were 6,000 Marines there, surrounded by 40,000 North Vietnamese soldiers for 77 days. We were hit with artillery every day. And uh, General, what's his name? Westmoreland, who was known as Westy, um, increased air power. And we had more air power bombs dropping with B-52 weapons yeah. and everything else than any other place in any war, including World War II, okay, at Quezon. All that shit happened. Um, basically, there and uh, we got through it all and I flew out on March 15th, 1968 and uh, I went to Da Nang 
and I was told today that I wouldn't be leaving till the 21st. So I went to China Beach, which was a rest place. You good you go to China Beach, you get a rack and a locker. Beer in the beach. Drink a few, go in the water, come back. Drink a few, go in the water, come back. And basically that's what I did until I went home. And uh, I have become friends with several of the guys I served with in Vietnam. I tracked down our company commander after 50 years. And uh, George Chaconis, his name is, he lives in Washington, D.C. We've been to his home. And we've been to Las Vegas with him. And my friend Pat Conway, Pat Conway uh, basically went to Harvard. So he left the Marine Corps, went back to Harvard, and he was on the Harvard football team. And uh, in, I think it was November 28, 1968, Harvard was in first place in the Ivy League. So was Yale. So Harvard played Yale, and Harvard won. Uh, Pat was drafted by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in their second round, but he went to Harvard Business School yeah. instead. So he's my friend. He's living in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. We were together in Washington for our 50th anniversary. And we were together in Los Angeles, in Las Vegas, sometime after that. Um, basically, uh, that is it. A good friend of mine, Marshall Jesperson, we called him Jess. Uh, Jess lives in California. Jess won the Silver Star, and uh, we're good friends. Anyway, that is the uh, the story um, that I can tell you about my involvement. Um, I can say that. Right around the time I left Quezon, General Westmullen uh, put together um, an operation using the U.S. Army coming up to Quezon and with the Marines getting rid of the North Vietnamese. Um, 
the increased air power was called Operation Niagara. And uh, basically, that's the story there. My book is about what I have just told you. And uh, I had a couple of clients who were in the motion picture business. Mm -hmm. One of them was nominated for nine Oscars. Wow. Anyway, I talked to him and I said, look, I want a movie you owe me. <laughs> because there's never been a movie about Quezon. And Quezon, Quezon was the longest and one of the deadliest fights in the Vietnam War. Anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm invested. I want to see a movie. That's, wow. there's that, that's, I can't, I'm speechless. Thank well, you. There's a lot of shit happening there. And uh, on February 25th, 1968, the uh, Marines, Bravo 1st Battalion, 26 Marines, they were getting mortars in on their position, so their captain wanted to send out a patrol to find out where the mortars were coming from and attempt to get rid of them. So uh, he sent out this patrol. There were 41 guys. And uh, how old are you? 17. He's 21. The uh, company commander was 20 years old, the youngest Marine Corps lieutenant. He took them out. And basically, uh, they were out there and they saw two North Vietnamese soldiers. And they shot at them, but they missed them. They ran off. So he wanted to go and capture one. So he told this fellow, I know, who was a squad leader, take a fire team out and chase them in. And he said, no way, sir. That's an ambush. So he was removed as squad leader. And then he said to the fire team leader, that's four guys, you go, no sir, it's an ambush. And uh, he said, fuck it, he raised his 45 and said, let's go. So they ran in. It was a terrible ambush. Um, 28 guys died, and including the lieutenant. They were not, not able to bring back the bodies. The bodies were out there from February 25th till April 9th. And it was known as the Ghost Patrol. 
Okay. So that's what happened on February 25th, 1968 at Quezon, five days after my birthday. I was on a listening post on my birthday with two other guys out in front of the lines. And uh, basically, before, before we came in, a number of artillery rounds came in. And when I got back to my hole, it was full of shrapnel and a big hole behind it. So I was lucky to be on a fucking outpost. Anyway, uh, things like that happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, so everything is fine in Jason, but we never know what the fuck's gonna take place. Anyway, uh, that was that. Um, anyway, there. Are a number of instances that happened and things here and things there and all that shit. However, um, everything worked out okay. Am I finished? You're done. That was amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'd never heard anything like that before. What? That, like, that's, that's all, like... I, yeah, that's awesome. Like you see that type of thing in movies, right? Like you see like Full Metal Jacket or like Hamburger Hill, like movies about Vietnam, and it well, it just isn't as Full Metal Jacket. Interesting. Yeah. I mentioned that in my book because the guys in Full Metal Jacket went to Vietnam, and uh, they were there around the time I was there. Okay. None of them had problems with the M16. Yeah. Okay? And people... Sorry. Listen. People that had problems with the M16 did not know anything about the problems. Okay? Mm-hmm. What happens... I mentioned the hill fights. One of the guys in the hill fights wrote a letter home to his mother and father and told them how bad the weapons were. A number of people were dying as a result. Um, a lieutenant wrote, stating all the people that were dying because of the breakdowns of the rifles, etc. Anyway, um, the parents sent the letter to Congress, to the congressman for the district. <clears throat> the congressman for the district read the letter in Congress. As a result, they put a committee together. And a congressman from Missouri was chairman of the committee. Um, they went to Vietnam, spent 10 days there, and interviewed a number of people. Then came back in uh, October of uh, 
think it was 1967, because the uh, hill fights were in April and May. I think it was October of 67. The congressmen went over to Vietnam in June of 67. So he sent a report back to Congress, and uh, and item I don't remember at all. I think it's item eight. He said that the uh, army guys that got the M16 rifles were aware of the problems, but. They allowed them to pass without getting corrected. In addition, the fellow that invented the weapon, the guy whose last name was Stoner, uh, stated that the MDR bullet went with the weapon. That's uh, an, imp an improved Casey bullet, whatever it was. But the Army had a number of older bullets left from World War II, and that is what they used in the weapon. And that uh, got heated up and caused the problems. Marines in higher up places were saying that it was the problem of the Marine not keeping the weapon clean. That was not the final problem. In my book, I expose all this. Mm -hmm. I contacted a secretary at the library of the U.S. Senate, and she sent me documents from that time. So I have the actual documents. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was never uh, there was never a lawsuit. And lawsuits have a particular time period which is uh, a statutory limit. However, many people suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. And post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of a problem with your weapon, etc., etc., would extend a limitation period. So there should have been a lawsuit. There was never a lawsuit. Anyway, I'm finished. Time to go home. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the can you do it like is it way too late for the lawsuit now, even with the PTSD? Is it way out of Well, you have to have somebody complain. Yeah. And you'd have to get together It's just too many people. A class action. Yeah. Alright? And uh, basically if I were doing it, I'd do the fucking thing. Yeah. I'm not. So, I'm just going home. Fuck it. Anyway. That's it. Perfect. Thanks very much for your time. I